Hey there, just wanted to let you know there could be parts of this episode that are triggering. So I just wanted to inform you before you start listening, it is totally your choice to listen. If it gets too much, please step away and take care of yourself best as you can. And if you're someone who can listen and go back and forth and listen to it in parts, that is totally up to you. I just wanted to make sure I put the disclaimer before you go ahead and listen. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. My name is Bianca Keisha Hughes and I am the host of the podcast and I am very appreciative of you being here. Right now, you are listening to season two, episode three. And as always, I have an amazing guest. Um, I'm going to share in just a moment and just as a reminder to let you know that you can share just a quick bite of your story like two or three minutes or something you thought would break you but it didn't and how you've overcome to where you are now so just two or three minutes you can leave a voicemail with that information with or without your name as I will share on the podcast and it's just on the website it didn't break me and on the right tab you'll see a button that says leave a voicemail and you could just press it and leave a voicemail so let's go ahead and let's get into this episode my guest today is Emma G Emma G is an award-winning music author and youth empowerment coach. She has a lifelong battle with a rare neurological condition called hydrocephalus so she can understand trauma. Emma has been able to use music to recover from multiple traumas, including 10 brain surgeries by writing and singing her truth, sharing her experiences and turning her lessons into blessings. Emma has a unique style that marries the style of pop, soulful ballads and a gritty rock edge. She is now on a mission to save the world one song at a time, not just through her own music, but also by coaching teenagers to channel their voice and struggles through the powerful tool of songwriting. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. Hello, Emma G. How are you today? Hello, Bianca. I'm wonderful, thank you. <laughs> Happy whatever day you're putting this out. <laughs> today we're filming this on Monday, so I'm happy. And it's coming it's out on a Wednesday. So. Oh, there we go. Happy yeah. Monday to Wednesday. Happy every day, basically. <laughs> I love it. So we're going to go ahead and I'm just going to go straight into the question mm-hmm. as to why we're here. So what is something that you thought would break you, but it didn't. 
It's that's a funny question because so to give your listeners some sort of perspective, my my album last year that I released was called Born in Crisis mm. because I was literally born into a situation that should have broken me. I was four months old when I had my first brain surgery. I have a neurological condition called hydrocephalus. Um, things that kind of have always threatened to break me from a very mm. young age, right? So you can look at things in two different ways. One, the, 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 you know, the situation of what has broken me or what has been a situation that has given me a fighter spirit. Mm. So I like was raised and sort of being born into a world that is full of adversity. Um, it, you know, I've always sort of chosen to thrive, chosen to step up. However, having brain surgery is one thing. There are multitudes of other things that I think maybe like they might not be as um, adverse for some people. Mm. But when you're when you're de- when you're dealing with a whole bunch of trauma, a whole bunch of anxiety, a whole bunch of X, Y, and Z, Z, whatever your listeners are from. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a Z kind of girl. I know you are. So I'm like, I'll just, oh shoot. <laughs> it's it's really you know like adverse. You know, having brain surgery might break them, but the things that almost broke me might not be this like might be like girl you worry worried about that like whatever you know what i mean so i think i just so i wanted to give that you know your listeners a little bit of um background sort of schema mm. if you will um before i sort of answer the actual question and that question i've like honestly i've thought long and hard about because as you know i'm a full-time musician mm-hmm. i'm a youth empowerment through songwriting coach i've been a teacher for more than half my life and I've always kind of been like, I often get asked the question, what is your why? Why do you mm-hmm. do what you do? And my why is because when I was a teenager, life tried to break me. When I was 15, I uh, on my 15th birthday, actually, um, I'm, I don't know if this is like too much for your audience, but you know, my, my uncle raped me on my 15th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kicked out of home not long after I you know, had the worst year of my life living on this, you know, basically living on the streets, but like living on couches, realistically speaking, um, and doing whatever I could to survive. And then that kind of came to a head at the age of 19, which was actually the worst year of my life because mm. I had all this unresolved trauma all of these unresolved issues that I'd spent a lot of time drowning with alcohol and drugs mm-hmm. and faceless names um, or nameless faces. And then during my 19th year of existence, after I had quote unquote recovered, because on surface level, you know, we put a mask on and everything's mm-hmm. fine. My ex-boyfriend committed suicide. My surrogate brother died from an, uh, a diabetic complication. My surrogate father died from um alcohol abuse my boyfriend at the time dumped me my dog died like that was the year that i was just like nah drop mike we out peace in the middle east i'm i can handle brain surgery but like 
I think that was the year that my abandonment issues really, really came to a head because again, I hadn't dealt with any of my 15th year of trauma, 16th year of trauma, seventh, you know, 17 or 18. And then 19, I was like, oh shoot. So overload. (laughs) Yeah. By that time, it was just like, and it's interesting when I'm listening to you name all the things happen, I was thinking, wait, is that all in one year? Yeah. It was a horrific year. Yeah. It was horrific. How did you respond to that? When you were nine <laughs> how you when you were nineteen and by that time it was like I, I was I was a chronic smoker. I um you know, back then I was smoking you don't have roll your owns, I don't think, in this country. I don't know. Sorry. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I've I've got no idea, but in New Zealand we have like fifty grams of tobacco that you roll your own cigarettes and whatever. I used to go through one of those a day. So the equivalent of like three or four packs of cigarettes, I would go through a day, maybe every two days. But like, so I was smoking a lot. I was overweight, obviously, because <laughs> um, I wasn't, you know, fit. And when I say I was overweight, I mean, like, I was I was skinny fat. My, my body was, I, I was in like physical, low um condition and uh you know i was i was again turning back to alcohol turning back to you know mostly marijuana Mm -hmm. um because in new zealand (laughs) we don't really have the variety of drugs that this country has but um which i think is actually a blessing i mean it may have changed now but yeah i just drowned myself in in numbness um and music and that was kind of when I had my aha moment. You know, I know that you're a therapist. I'm a youth empowerment coach, but I had this phenomenal uh, appointment with uh, a psychologist mm-hmm. who I, for the life of me, cannot remember mm-hmm. what he said to me in that session. And it was one session and I, it changed my freaking life. And I was just like, you know what? I'm here for a reason. This is happening for a reason. And I didn't know what that was and I didn't know what that looked like, smelled like, tasted like, but I was like, okay, I want to do everything in my power. If I'm still alive after 10 brain surgeries and 24 surgeries, if that can't kill me and being homeless hasn't killed me and being abused and assaulted and raped and all those things hasn't killed me, I'm clearly here for a reason. So Mm. I need to hold on a bit longer. And so that was kind of like my first inkling. And then I had another inkling a few years later. And then at the age of 23. Did you do anything then at that point when you had that, that session and you realized, okay, I'm here for a reason. Did you then start that path or was it still kind of twirling around in your head? Yes. And, (laughs) 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 um, I was still twirling or swirling in a lot of ways. However, I, you know, I've been writing music since I was born, basically. It was the way that I always turned to, um, you know, processing brain damage and Mm. puberty and adolescence and, and, and. So at the age of 19, I poured myself even well, you know, 15 to 19, I poured myself even further into music. It, the, the funny thing about songwriting and music 
so songwriting as in the lyric writing and music as in the the composition aspect of things is that in many ways it's a form of meditation Mm. because not only is music so spiritually aligned but it also activates the brain in a multitude of ways so whenever i would write songs quite often i would just sit down and write and then look back at the lyrics and go crap where did that come from so it's like this with this out of body meditative therapeutic but i didn't know it yet kind of exercise so to answer your question i was swirling yes but i was also taking these baby steps towards mental health Mm. i just didn't know it and then one of the things that happened as a result of this psychologist's you know appointment um was i started to recognize two things one the power of forgiveness specifically for myself Hmm. because you can't forgive or heal if you do not feel whole um but also i wanted to needed to take ownership for my own role in my life you know it's so often that we sort of lead a spectator kind of role and so i mean and this honestly this goes back to even being in hospital quite often i would have these out-of-body experiences where i would almost watch myself writhing in pain on the hospital bed or i would have these you know out-of-body experiences where i would get frustrated because i couldn't find my way from one end of the hospital to the cafeteria or to my hospital bed or whatever it was so to do music i was able to sort of have these out-of-body experiences that were more in my control mm-hmm. and so i was able to sort of formulate ways to process the trauma formulate ways to communicate about the trauma and then at the age of 21 i took the psychiatrist's advice one step further and decided to well if i'm not going to be a spectator i'm going to take action and move to the big smoke of auckland or Auckland for the American <laughs> listeners, not not Oakland, Auckland, New Zealand. Um, and that was where I sort of really stepped into this place of less swirling, more healing. And that specifically happened with my band Static Era when I would co-write with one of my, to this day, he's one of my best friends. His name's Chris Young. He was my guitarist in that band. And he helped me to realize how songwriting and music can be alchemy for trauma. So that was kind of like, oh, now I can like actually start to channel and transform mm-hmm. using music and songwriting. I can see that. I can totally understand how music can be healing, especially if you're songwriting and you're you're in a way as a form of processing of those things, those thoughts and those feelings because Mm -hmm. people don't understand sometimes you just have a conversation like oh my god I felt so much better I'm like yeah because (laughs) you know it's stuck in your amygdala and in that emotional part of brain and hasn't gone to the um, prefrontal cortex and so it makes so much sense and when you're talking about that out of body experience um I do EMDR and it kind of reminds me yeah, I do. It kind of reminds me of the That's EMDR so cool. where they do the um, imaging and, and going back um, with that. 
and they're like they're there but they're not there in that sense and where that brain is doing the processing oh my gosh that's fascinating yeah yeah but then so emdr now put lyrics to it mm. so now you're not only like over overcoming things and like you know stimulating the amygdala and stimulating the prefrontal cortex and stimulating the the you know the oxytocin and serotonin levels and you know so on and so forth but now you're actually able to use lyrics to express yourself and understand yourself and figure things out for yourself in a way and communicate in a way that you can't necessarily do in you know in normal conversation or a normal therapy session even you know often mm -hmm. my clients will come to like will will come back to me after having therapy sessions with people like yourself and go yo bianca and i talked about this really amazing thing i don't know how to express it yet so how do i turn that into something or whatever or, or like you know a week later they'll be like oh shoot what was that thing that bianca and i talked about if we can turn those lessons and learnings and and um aha moments the mm -hmm. like catchy choruses and you know self-empowered lyrics and it's like oh shoot now i can remember the learnings that i you know that i gained from that specific session and it's a really powerful beautiful way to do it and then like obviously because you're again in that meditative state you're able to like there's parts of your psyche that you may not have reached mm -hmm. in a typical therapeutic session i'm sure they also reach the three emdr but you know not all therapists like when it's just talk therapy or cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy or, um, you know, whatever, or my pet peeve is like the, the, the mirroring and opening to questions. I'm just like, cool. Let, yeah. Anyways. Um, so it just, it, it, um, it's, it just stimulates the brain in a, in a multitude of different ways. So again, to go back to your previous question, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, blah, 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 get to the point, Emma. No. Okay. <laughs> I guess for me, it was like, now I've I had this beautiful lens of my rock band to process and songwrite with, to alchemize my trauma. And I kind of realized I want to do this for other young people, especially considering like I'm a millennial. Mm -hmm. Um, I was born, you know, in the 80s before the internet. I saw the internet come to happen. I, I watched, you know, I've, I've been part of the ridiculousity of social media and Google and everything that that has brought with it. And so I can understand Generation um, Z, how it can, like, all the older ways of doing things just aren't the same and don't have the same benefits because these kids are built different. Mm. They were raised different. You know what I mean? So I wanted to like figure out, okay, well, I was built different because of brain surgery and because of my own ways of being able to find this, you know, empowerment through music. Um, and I wanted to experiment that with myself. I also know that I learned differently because of being a millennial and because of brain surgery. So, I wanted to figure out ways to cater for the built different mindset, the okay. built different young person to help them figure out and not just through empowerment coaching, but through music, just my music. You know, I ran a writer song a day challenge for myself last year. I wrote a song a day for 30 days straight that turned into an album of songs that again, out of body experience, 
I found myself writing about stuff that I don't even talk about wow. to people normally. You know, it was my first time writing about hydrocephalus. It was my first time writing, really writing about being raped. It was my first time writing about my, like, really openly and honestly about my experiences and learnings of being a brown person in America who typically gets typecasted as a black woman, um, which I'm sure you can relate to. And then as soon as you open your mouth and people hear her accent, everyone's like, oh, yo, she's not from here. So she must be one of those okay people, you know? Oh, my God. Like, yeah. Oh, my right. God. That's, think- oh, my gosh. I had this conversation the other day that sometimes I do, sometimes I feel like some people talk to me like I'm not black. Like, do you not see? And my friend was like, that's because of your accent and you're not that. And I'm like. And, but, but here's the thing, though. Like, I, I, like I, 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 I was actually talking about this with some random women from Pennsylvania yesterday yeah. when I was at Lady, Gaga, Lady Gaga's concert. And they were like, we don't see colour. And I'm like, that's bullshit because we do see colour and we honour our colour. Mm-hmm. Like, if you leave here, if you, if you remember anything about me, please remember that I'm a brown woman living in America. Yeah, yeah. Please yeah. do, because, because my skin colour is not about whatever racist rhetoric mm-hmm. you have built in your, in your own mind. My colour is a, a beautiful side effect of being from, you know, half Fijian, of being first-generation Kiwi, of being white American, of being Persian, of being Norwegian. How dare you say that I'm not brown? You don't see my colour. Yeah. Easier? Yeah, yeah. But at, at at the same token, please don't forget that my skin colour doesn't mean that I'm going to kill you mm. or steal from you or treat you like less than a human. You know, like, yeah. but also my partner's Black American. And so l- learning how to, like, navigate that relationship when I get typecast as a white person because I'm not Black enough. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. Sorry, sorry. So that, that, that came out That came out in my album that I wrote last year, Born in Crisis, and the album that I wrote this year um, called I Am because, you know, again, these are ways that I learned to channel and express and communicate just the trauma of existing. So how has that impacted you from that time when you started to realize it recognize it into now how has using music songwriting and writing you know composing music how do you feel like that has shifted within you internally and externally I think the biggest shift for me has happened that I being able to write my truth and authenticity and vulnerability into songwriting and then to perform and record those songs for people, especially when it comes to writing, performing, and recording those songs in front of the, in front of audiences that you're trying to reach with that music. For example, writing a song about anti-racism and mm-hmm. having people in MAGA hats who are taking part in white supremacy actively taking pride in the part that they play with it when it comes to white supremacy in this country. Being able to sing those songs in front of those people then allows me 
the ability to form the verbiage in conversation to have those difficult conversations as well. Mm -hmm. It's like a security blanket. Okay. That's how I often describe songwriting. It's a security blanket and a superhero cape all in one because not only am I able to be kept in vulnerability, (laughs) but I'm also able to, you know, wear this this cloak of invisibility because it's just a song. It's Mm. not confrontational. Do you know what I mean? I see. And so, like, you're balancing between these two completely different um, approaches and then you know, once you perform that or or record that and release it and then see people are responding to it positively, now you can sit down and have these conversations with random white people from Pennsylvania who don't see colour, quote-unquote, which I'm I'm not dogging on them. They were lovely. But, you know, to put it into perspective even further on a more personal level, um, I, I have a relationship. I'm in a relationship. I'm living with a man for the first time in my life. Um, in the healthiest relationship that I've ever, mm. ever experienced. And I think the pivotal point for me when it came to being in a healthy relationship was when I um, was in my feelings one particular night, wrote this song, I had this out-of-body experience, wrote this song that I didn't know or understand until after I'd written it. And as I was right, as I was performing, like, performing it for myself or rehearsing it by myself, I, I was crying and like, oh, damn, like I didn't realize that I felt this way about him. And that, so that was like an aha moment on a personal level. And then, of course, because he is a Jedi and has all these like spidey senses, he comes over randomly and I'm like, oh, I need to write you this, I need to perform this song for you, Security Blanket mm-hmm. and Superhero Cape. I sang him the song, I'm in tears again. Mm-hmm. And he's listening to every lyric going, oh, okay, we in this, let's go. And so now, you know, this was, this was a year and a half ago. Now, because of how I was able to find the, the lyrics and the vocabulary and the verbiage to express myself with him, I don't have to have these, I don't have to have these conversations through songwriting with him anymore. He pisses me off. I'm like, hey, you, <laughs> I need to talk, you know, or, or if, I'm, if I'm having a vulnerable moment, I, I don't feel so scared now to have those conversations because that security blanket gave me even more of a superhero cape. Yeah, it's like almost as it lo- unlocks something, this voice within you when you have this, this the music and you're able to say this and it's like okay now I feel like you know whether it's the anti-racism whatever the case may be with your partner as well whatever you however you choose to use these words in these songs it like unlocks this part of you Mm -hmm. in feelings and in voice and you're like whoo okay yeah is that is that what I'm kind of hearing you say yeah yeah totally and I mean on a more intellectual level, mm-hmm. this was so. This was a an experience. Horrible human. I run human experiments. No, um, I used to be a, a tertiary institute. Uh, what's the word? Um, Kyoko is what we call it in, in New Zealand. Um, 
lecturer, teacher. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So I, I would I would lecture um, and and teach at this tertiary institute back in New Zealand, and um, one of the things that again a lot of our students were like second chance learners. They dropped out of school because they learned differently. They were mm. you know millennials. They were um, you know all kinds of ages, but by and large they just learned different. So typically in a you know tertiary institute you'd have people running, uh, like writing essays for research projects. I was like, well, these people aren't going to do that. Mm. And it's not because they don't want to, they don't know how, it's intimidating, it's scary, they can't find the vocabulary. So what I did, and this was, you know, a lot of these students were heavily into hip hop and reggae. So I was like, cool, let's get them to wrap their research, you know, projects, Mm. Write, write a research wrap about, I don't know, different songwriting styles or about their different, their favorite artist or whoever. And I tell you, the way that music, again, stimulates the brain is it unlocks parts of your vocabulary that you wouldn't normally use in day-to-day life. So I had these students like just creating rhymes that were just stupidly good. Mm. and you know thorough and precise and informative and inspiring and words like I don't know using vocabulary they would never use with their parents with their peers with their teachers whatever but here they were like oh I use this word because it rhymed with whatever and that was totally on point with what I I don't even know how they how they came to be but Music also just unleashes this opportunity to communicate in ways that we don't know how to do otherwise. So not only did the psychologist kind of shift your brain, it really sounds like, because you've been writing for a long time, but like people say, but music truly also saved your life. That's what my TED talk was about. (laughs) 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 And everyone's like, it's true. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like, there are so many things that music can do for us that we just have no flippin' idea. You know, Berkeley um, School of Music and various um, colleges from around the world have only really just started looking into the psychology and the healing benefits of music on the brain. But there, I, I like literally, I spent months trying to do the, find the research and trying to find the accolades and things. There's very little research on the songwriting component. Mm, okay. But when you combine music and lyric writing together, it's insane. Okay. Yeah. It it, it makes sense because it makes total sense because, like you said, everyone doesn't learn the same and things like that. It's like sometimes if I'm in the therapy room, some people don't always want to talk. So sometimes I have them write on the board or if you have colors, let's use the color. Or if someone does make music, I've told them, okay, don't journal, make it into a rap or or, yeah. or into yeah. a song. And so I was thinking of like the number of teachers and quote unquote expert, experts or, or uh, therapists or counselors who, who automatically tend to go to like acting, What's the... Oh, role play. Role play. Please don't make me role play. No, no, I will write a song. Absolutely. I will draw my feelings. Great. I will play with Play-Doh. 
do not make me role play. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's a lot hard. <laughs> that's a lot harder because like music and play doh and all that that stuff is sensory, and sometimes you just need something that's a bit more sensory than. Oh my god! I got to get up here and be in my cognitive part of my brain. So right, right, and yeah. and not not a dog on people who love role playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cool. Power to you, boo. But and I and I my. <laughs> it's not my yeah, communication. I mean, <laughs> I think what you're saying is very important, so people understand the different ways that people are wired. And I don't know all the ways people are wired, but I'm always curious about how they are wired Mm -hmm. and if they don't know let's try and figure it out um Mm -hmm. because everyone's different so gosh time is going quick um (laughs) one thing that you said is you have reclaimed your voice and stepped into your power yes that is where you are today where would you just is there where would you describe where you are today from where you were when you were 19 oh damn uh (laughs) so our cellular structure completely changes every seven years who you are cellularly now is very different to who you are or who you were rather back in 2008 Mm -hmm. 2000 you know or 2000 um I can't do math. 2000, 2015, you know. Um, meaning that, like, I'm very aware that evolution's just always a thing, right? I feel like on a cellular level, I have changed nine times since I was 19. Even in the last two and a half years alone, I have changed at least twice. Mm. And I think a big part of it is because as I've been stepping more and more into my, my so my partner runs a, a self-defense school called um, Krav Maga, and um, he talks a lot about conscious, uh, conscious proficiency and unconscious proficiency, right, when it comes mm-hmm. to looking after yourself. The same thing for the mind. If you are subconsciously or unconsciously able to do something, then you know, your your actions will sort of follow suit. I've been unconscious up until 2020. Mm. I, I mean, I was semi-conscious, absolutely, because, you know, like I said, Chris Young helped me with my, you know, with learning about alchemy and things like that. But still, at that point, I was still very focused on the musical aspect and the mental health aspect Mm -hmm. the last couple of years in particular i have been and i also want to preface um compared to 19 year old me i don't smoke anymore i'm not skinny fat anymore i'm just healthy and you know like so you know there's been a lot of changes and many iterations of who i've become over the years but compared to then you know compared to 2019 rather, 2020 rather, um, I have dove more into my spiritual health, Mm -hmm. my emotional health, my financial health, and my physical health. So now as a 30, almost 34-year-old woman, I am, you know, 
compared to the 2019 version of myself, writing music, creating music and coaching through music in a way that is not just musically focused or emotionally focused, but it's got a very you know strong emphasis on the physical component, mm, on, yeah. the, on the mental health component, on the spiritual component, and um, even on the financial component, because I want to make sure that everything everything that we write about is something that is leading them to being happier, healthier humans. You cannot thrive if you are not a balanced, well-rounded human. Mm, I love that. So the very, it's, it's a big holistic approach where yeah. you are now, big holistic. Okay. Which definitely ties back into my teaching back in New Zealand because, you know, Maori culture, if you know anything about indigenous culture, it's a very holistic, okay. you know. I don't okay. know. So, anyways, <laughs> I've talked to you, Eros. I'm so sorry. No, you have not. <laughs> You've been fascinating. I could listen to you talk forever, but of course, time. So, what is there anything that you would like the listener to know? It's a cop out answer. <laughs> and I totally stole this from a yoga instructor back in Spain, in Barcelona, <laughs> from like 2018. Um, but it has been something that has. Um, just really served me really well. And that is that you are loved, you are love, and everything you need, everything you could possibly need lives within you. Mm. Beautiful. So I take that as a, if I was to take it a step more specifically and a step further, it's important for us to recognize that the world that we live in now is very different to anything we've ever experienced before. But we aren't born hurting. We aren't born hating. We aren't born fearing. We are born knowing 100% intrinsically who we are, unapologetically so, and yet we get it taught out of us or forced out of us depending on which demographic you fit into or which geography, geographical location you live in or what the color of your skin is, whatever it is. But if we give ourselves really the room and the space to recognize that everything we have lives within us, some powerful shifts can happen. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. Thank you. And then you can write your song with that. <laughs> Thank this you. is me. Thank you, Emma G. No, honestly, <laughs> no, literally, like, no, whatever, like, Emma G. I have, I'm like, okay, so I don't, like, I sing, I can't sing, but I can write. So I was like, I wonder what would happen if I just sat down and listened to an instrument or something and just started writing what would happen. So I'm actually going to try that. You actually challenged yes! me. So I appreciate that. My other question I ask everyone is, what is something that is messy? in your life right now? I think, honestly, the messiest part of my life is my schedule. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, there are so many facets to what makes my heart happy mm -hmm. that it's hard to balance and juggle everything sometimes. However, um, you know, mess can create some beautiful things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. From from crisis comes comes answers. You know. In fact, there's a 
uh, what was it, 20, yeah, 2021, last year, I learned that in Chinese, in Mandarin, like the, the, writer, the written um, uh, form of, of Mandarin, and the word crisis is uh, represented by two icons or two, you know, images, mm-hmm. one for one for danger and the other for opportunity. So for me, mess is like, okay, there's a really great opportunity to like create something beautiful and peaceful and like transformative. Yes. And, uh, you know, so. Thank you. (laughs) Just like the tagline, discovering the beauty within the mess. So exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love it when it aligns. So, um, Emma G, where can people find you to shower you with love? Well, I'm always a fan of shower, love showers, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, if you Google the name Emma G, you'll see my face. But if you want to be more specific, Emma G Music on all social media, uh, Emma G Music.com or the one social media that is different is um, TikTok, which is Emma G Speaks. Love that. Well, thank you so much. Um, I, of course, I will put that information in the show notes. And thank you, thank you so much for being a guest, Emma G. No, this was great. Thank you, Bianca. You're welcome. I appreciate all you do for the world. It's it's uh, it's wonderful to be to be connected with like-minded individuals. It always is. Thank you. Wow. So I don't know about you, but I am so fascinated about just sitting down with some instrumental music and letting my words flow and just seeing what happens. Like Emma G said, sometimes when you write words come out that don't necessarily come out when you're talking every you know, in your everyday conversations. So I think that was definitely one of my takeaways, the healing power of not just music, because I've known that, but really songwriting, how songwriting can really, in the, in essential, change the, you know, change the, the brain waves in your brain and kind of heal anywhere you may be stuck emotionally so that perhaps you know, what you might be doing in therapy or in other different modalities of healing, it might not be getting to. So I thought that was very powerful. Um, and it makes sense because I always um, encourage my clients to make a playlist or sometimes I just play music, just come home and dance and it does make a difference. And then my other takeaway is that sometimes there are things that other people may think will break us and it doesn't like those big things that sometimes happen and it could be the small things or an accumulation of small things that actually finally breaks us so it's not always just this one thing sometimes it's more than one thing and I think that was my other takeaway from today So I'd love to hear your takeaway. Please don't forget to tag me on Instagram if you do share it or at authenticallybeyou and tag Emma G too. I would very much appreciate that and I know she would too. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah.
Were you inspired by this story? Here are some ways you can shower me and the podcast with your appreciation and support. Follow, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Share the podcast via text with your people, with your tribe. Subscribe to the newsletter where I share my personal stories of discovering the beauty within the mess. And lastly, follow me on Instagram at authenticallybeyou for tips and insights on overcoming perfectionism so you can embrace your imperfections and authentically be you. Thank you so much for listening to the It Didn't Break Me podcast and remember to discover the beauty within the mess.